Good. Well, if you'd like to turn back to um, that passage we were thinking about earlier in Isaiah. And again, we're maybe just looking at the idea, this morning we're looking at the idea of justification by faith and that purpose of God which comes to fruition. And again, we see that same idea in, in verse 10 here. Uh, although reading from verse 8, Remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O transgressors, remembering the former things of old. For I am the God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Um, Another verse it says, I say, My purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And that's the great hope of mission and ministry, isn't it? I mean, if everything's up in the air and we, um, we don't know how it's going to end, uh, how, what an unsettling thought that is. Um, I mean, of course, that's often our experience in terms of not knowing. We don't know the end from the beginning. And so things are veiled from our sight. That's partly why we walk by faith, isn't it? Because we have to keep walking into a, an unknown future. But from God's point of view, he knows the end from the beginning. And that's, you know, it's a great encouragement and mission. Uh, these seemingly unresolved situations. Um, God knows what's going to happen. And even in this world, I remember reading devotional years ago, that it seems like God's content to play a losing game. You know, it seems that sometimes the enemy makes such strides and the church is, is losing ground. But ultimately we know, you know, Christ is victorious, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so, again, it's the same truth expressed in a different way. And obviously in the context of Isaiah, it comes against the context of all these, these idols. And the distinction that God wants to make between himself and the idols is that he is, he is nothing like these idols. They are, they are the, the, uh, the object of a man's imagination, um, and you know, one minute they can be angry, the next minute they seem to be pleased, and it all comes down that all the responsibilities on the worshipper to just, you know, feed the idol and to, and to offer and to sacrifice and to pacify and to appease and all, and all these things. And there's so much uncertainty of heart and mind. And, you know, who knows whether the idol's going to bless you at the end of the day. Like I said, it comes down, we think about the idea of, you know, having to justify ourselves before God. And that's, that's the attitude of the idol worshipper, having to prove themselves to their idol constantly, to make the idol happy, to make the idol pleased. Uh, you know, to give them what they want in their in life, you know, good harvest or blessing in the family or whatever it is, you know, all these things. And God says, I am not like that. You know, that, 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 is, I, that is not me. To whom will you liken me and make me my equal and compare me that we should be alike? Um, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I mean, the difference with the Lord is that he shows, he shows compassion to, to the sinner, to the sinful, to the fallen, to the broken, to the, to the failures. You know, in, in Micah it says, you know, who is a pardoning God like thee? I mean, there's no, there's no one like that. Why, why would God show mercy to his creation who are so, so, so fallen and unimpressive and unable to, um, to prove themselves morally? 
you know, who would do that? But God does that. That's, that's the wonder of the gospel. You know, people think, well, I won't come to church. Church is not for someone like me. But church is exactly for the people that are, that are fallen, that are, um, that are sinful. And so that's, that's, that's always the great news of the gospel, isn't it? The message to every, every nation, every experience, every culture. Everyone is trying to make themselves respectable, make themselves good, uh, live up to their own standards. Um, and so the gospel is good news in all these uh, different situations because we can tell them of a God who pardons, a God who reaches down in mercy and uh, shows people grace. So, you know, good, good food for thought there as we, as we think about the gospel going out in the world. Now I'm going to start the, um, uh, the report now, talking about some of the things that um, AE are involved in. I'm aware that some of you might not know too much about the Albania mission, so I will do something of a, an introduction just to uh, help you with that. Let me just move this forward. I hope you can see that from this side. Maybe that's going to be blocking you slightly, isn't it, if I, if I do that? Um, I'll try and move it back a little bit. There we go. Well, I can, st- I can stand back a little bit, so that's fine. And at one point, there is a little video clip on one of the slides of a pastor in Albania, uh, someone we know very well, a man by the name of Geni Dogani, who's talking about uh, the work in, in, uh, in, in ministry. And at that point, I'm going to try and synchronise with Andrew uh, for, the, for the benefit of those um, on, on the live stream, just to sync what you see here with, um, with, with the audio. So... Just bear with us with that. So let me just uh, switch this off. There we go. Let's just see. Maybe this has gone to sleep. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I think it just switches itself off. Okay, that's... Well, anyway, while that's doing that, hopefully that will warm up. Like I said, I mean, ostensibly the, the mission works in Albanian-speaking lands, uh, of which the main ones are Albania and Kosovo. Uh, but North Macedonia is 35% uh, Albanian. Uh, there's a significant population of Albanians, Albanians in Greece, Italy. As we know from our, uh, you know, the news, many Albanians have come over as economic migrants. Uh, with a lack of employment in Albania to seek uh, jobs in this country. Is that... Oh, yes, okay, great. Just wondering, I thought. Uh... Oh, there we go, this is it. Good. You'll realise I'm technologically, I'm not, you know, I'm not, my wife's very good, but I'm not so good on these things. But anyway, here we go. Um, yeah, so, so there's, a, there's a larger population outside Albania than inside. And even in um, surveys they conducted in globally, uh, Albania has a proportionally a very, very high percentage of people that want to leave the country. Um, you know, 80% of graduates want to leave. And part of that is um, maybe they're looking for a better life for themselves. Part of that is that they're under pressure from their families to send money back. I think part of it is the fact that it's relatively speaking a poor country in Europe, 
But because it's so close to the rest of Europe, it feels that sense of uh, difference. And so there's a great, it's a very, it's a young nation and an aspirational nation. They're, they're wanting to make a better life for themselves. Only 3 million people in Albania, about 2 million in Kosovo. So obviously compared to the UK, very different situation. And the mission supports mainly, like I said this morning, mainly nationals in these countries in gospel-related ministries. Church planting, I mean, that was more the case 30 years ago. But there's many more churches there now. We go on a figure of about 200 churches in Albania. You know, for, like I said, for a population of 3 million. And about 45 churches in uh, Kosovo. And we get that data from the fact that churches legally have to register with a, an umbrella church organization so you do even though it's a bit of a broad spectrum you get a pretty good idea of how many churches you're dealing with um, i will show this slide so we can know where we're talking about obviously albania to the south of that above greece and then north macedonia kosovo montenegro the surrounding country so you can just familiarize yourself with that just you know it's it's not very nice if you're sitting there wondering uh, where this is uh, happening. So it's, 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 it's the gateway of the East and the West. It's not a conservative culture like you would get in the Middle East, but nonetheless, it's more conservative than, than other parts of um, Europe. You know, f very, very strong community feel in Albania. Obviously, during communism, there's multi-generational living in homes. So there is that stronger sense of social fabric and when you grow up in Albanian villages, it's the community that, you know, that raises you as much as your family. Um, I mean, now, obviously, there's Albanians travelling everywhere, so that social cohesion is, is, is breaking up. But nonetheless, you know, it's still, it still has a strong influence. And during, you know, during the years of communism, um, you know, Christians were still there in the country, meeting in secret, and uh, they, they, they were under restrictions, obviously. I mean, they didn't meet to sing. They didn't meet with their children or family so much. But there was, you know, adults would meet together. Um, and then in the early 90s, um, you know, Christians came in and were able to uh, travel around the country and meet these Christians that had, had kept going in the dark days of communism. I think in the early days of communism, it wasn't so severe, but then, rather like if you read about Romania and Richard Wormbrand and people like that, you know, Christians were getting thrown in prison, and it was, it was very difficult. And this is a little picture that just reminds us of that historic legacy. Uh, this is a uh, pastor, Plateau, who's in uh, south, southern Albania, with an old lady who became a Christian in the communist times. And this is a, a, um, a New Testament they had, and... You know, similar to other stories of, of the underground church, they had, this, um, they had this New Testament that was hidden uh, during the years, it says the years of the red, I mean that obviously refers to communism, and it was hidden in a, in a well and a, and a cellar and a, and a wardrobe, and it was passed round between a group of believers, but you know, hidden in all these places so the authorities wouldn't find uh, this New Testament. So you know, Albania has that, that, that testimony of, you know, secret church, you know, hidden church. And, uh, but, you know, God was, was at work, you know, and obviously many of you will know that Albania famously, 
declared itself to be an atheist state. Apparently, if you land in Tehran airport, there was actually a sign at the airport saying, there is no God. I mean, it was that, it was that uh, deliberate, uh, that, that um, uh, clear. But, you know, God, God works in these, in these situations. And like I said also this morning, you know, sometimes when you deprive people of the means of grace, rather than causing people to be disinterested, it actually creates spiritual hunger. We, we need to remember that. We need to remember that people you know, can be caused to have that spiritual hunger. Again, the, the stuff I read about Richard Wormbrand in Romania, people in, under communism were desperate for the truth, just had such a burning desire to know truth, to, you know, minister to that spiritual part. So we're going we're gonna to do some sn- few snapshots of a few places, um, you know, different works you know don't don't be too overwhelmed by the names i know you probably think well i'm not going to remember all these people you know the names are in the literature um uh, and I, you know there's just maybe even if you just remember a few people you know you can take away you know i can give richard details of people you can pray for you know um so this is the kisha Angelo memaliai which is the evangelical church of memaliai uh, so this is a small uh, town in southern Albania, and we're going to hear if, in a moment from the pastor of that church, Geni. And a lot of the things he talks about are representative of the Albanian situation. In the city, it was a coal mining town. There were about twelve thousand in this town at one point. Uh, now there's only two thousand there, so it's, it's seen a big exodus of people, as has a lot of rural Albania. And it's challenging for a pastor. I was chatting to uh, someone this morning. If you looked at the church 30 years ago and you look at it now and you took a photo, you think there's no difference, the same amount of people. Um, but you think of all the people that have come through that church and maybe uh, Pastor Genny, you know, he's had maybe 40 people converted, but it just meets a handful of people. So it's a different handful of people, but through that you see, you see people uh, moving through. So even these small church situations where pastors are inclined to feel discouraged, they've actually seen a great blessing. So... Actually, the next photo is that. So there's Genny on the left, his wife Nikki on the right, and uh, Alma is, a, is, a, is another worker in that, in that small time. Faithful people, churches that we would recognise, small, uh, you know, kind of evangelical churches, uh, of faithful believers that have been there for, you know, for many years. And Genny would represent, the, if you like, the, the oldest Christians, those who were converted students in the 90s, and now they're the, you know, they're the, you know, they're pastors of churches who were in their mid to late 40s and that they were that, that, they were that first generation of, of, of young, youngsters that, that got converted. Right, so I'm going to try and do the, the synchronisation thing. Uh, so I'll, I'll count in from... Right, shall I, shall I get back to the start for that? Sorry. Okay, so three, two, one, go. very happy to share with you about uh, our church. In general, we, we feel blessed because God has shown his faithfulness to our church. Uh, in the same time, we feel very challenged in these last two years 
mainly because many people are leaving uh, from Albania. This challenge that uh, we feel in Mamalia is fe felt everywhere in Albania. But uh, God has been faithful, so we feel blessed in the sense that uh, the believers that are here are committed. Of course, of course they feel different challenges, and yet I think uh, they are uh, faithful in faith. Uh, they continue to pray, they share the gospel. I remember uh, Alma, the one that is teacher, she always asks, uh, small books to give to her colleagues and small things like this uh, are very encouraging for us. Uh, with the children work I would say we are also blessed because uh, as I mentioned many families are leaving uh, so to have uh, uh, around 10 or 15 children around is uh, for us is encouraging. Alma is very committed in her work in general, Alma, there are times she is okay, there are times she feels alone. Actually, we are very grateful as a church for every prayer and every support that you give. I want that you continue to pray for us because uh, of these challenges. Uh, we go to, to Balcha every week. Uh, there are times we feel encouraged, there are times we feel discouraged because uh, uh, certain time the group is very enthusiastic, certain time they seem to be disappointed for the life, I don't know. Uh, I'm uh, pushing uh, those who confess to believe that they have to baptize, so I hope this summer maybe we will have few baptism but uh, you can pray for them. Uh, there are few women in Balch that come for few years now in the church, uh, but we have only three baptisms so far. And of course I'm not pushing them because I'm after the numbers. It's just, it's natural for a believer to do that. In that sense I'm encouraging them to do that step. Uh, another thing that you can pray is uh, a camp that we are going to have as a church. So we will gather all the believers in Memalie and in Balj in one family camp. This will happen in the first week of uh, July. And uh, the idea is to have all the husbands of the wives, that uh, most of them are non-believers and yet very open in the sense of being uh, part of these events. Uh, and a group from America will be there, they will be preaching from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, so you can keep that in prayer. Uh, lately I joined it, a kind of, it's a Bible school actually. This is for me to encourage myself to study more. Uh, you can pray for that as well. <laughs> and to be able to preach better and to share the gospel better. And uh, Nikki also is having a good time with uh, students. It's uh, an open door uh, that calls for the ladies to learn English and yet in the same time the stories, the stories of the Bible. Thank you brothers and sisters, really we appreciate your praise.
I don't, I don't know, maybe his voice was a little bit difficult to pick up um, on some occasions, but obviously he was talking about his, his homework in uh, Mimaliai, but also another town in Bausch, which is nearby. So typically, once a church is established in one area in Albania, they will, especially if it's in a more rural area, they'll travel out to other villages maybe surrounding to try and do um, other, other works, maybe works with young people or... Or families, and you know, Genny's been honest. You know, he's saying sometimes he's encouraged, sometimes he's discouraged. He mentioned the camp, which is, I mean, has passed now. That was in July, but I know from uh, speaking to him recently that 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 was a that was a good time. So they went away with uh, their church, but they also used it to uh, as a time to inviting other families, members, sometimes the husbands, uh, and that that went well. You know, the preaching went well, and I think people were were open to that. So the struggles of a, you know, a, a small church pastor, but nonetheless that, that hint of faithfulness that they, they've experienced from God and, and, and encouragement even with, a, with the, 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 the limited means they've got. So travelling a little bit further south to the town of Jiracaster, um, we come to another church situation uh, it's just one a shot of Jurocaster there. And, and again, this is a church that uh, supports the mission have been praying for for many years. Uh, there was an English chap, James Clark, and his wife, Laurie, who were there for many years. They've since come back, and James is now, and the family are now serving the church down in East Sussex. Sorry, West Sussex. Um, Near, near Basingstoke, it's that south of Basingstoke, it's that kind of area. And that's left um, Patrit and Nyada. Uh, Patrit's the, the Albanian pastor with his wife. And, um, you know, we were praying, you know, just praying that God would provide the help that he's needed to continue the work of the church. And the, the gentleman in white there, Odyssey, uh, is someone who stepped up and... Um, is preaching now more in the church. So it's, he, he's an answer to prayer. Someone who... It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes you don't see the answers to prayer, but then when push comes to shove and someone moves on, then, then people step up and, and step into uh, more positions of responsibility. So Odyssey is, you know, it's good that he's stepped up. And this is, you know, this is an encouragement. This is uh, Patrice, a group of young guys that he meets with very regularly. You know, he, he enjoys getting alongside the the young men, Jiracaster, and he's had a, a ministry there with some of those guys. I think some have become Christians. But he has his struggles. I mean, his wife, Nyada, has MS. Uh, the missioner currently looking at a way of helping her with a, with a, um, a mobility car uh, to help her to get to church. Any type of illness like that or disability in that society is looked on with much more you know, sense of shame. And people with problems like that are more, are more hidden away and behind closed doors. So sometimes it's quite difficult to help people in that situation because um, it's more of a shame and honour culture. You know, it, it's, very, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for them to accept help. Uh, let's put it like that. But, you know, lovely family. Their daughter's currently studying in Germany. Um, but again... You know, God has his intention. God has his decision. And just when you feel things are getting a bit fragile, you know, the work, the work continues um, in, in that town in, of Jurapastor. And 
Thirdly and finally, um, well, not, not so much finally, but in terms of the, the, the church pictures, we're, we're travelling back up the country now uh, to Tirana and the Ruger Apaches Church, the Way of Peace Church in Tirana. And again, a missionary that we've been supporting for many years, uh, the chap on the right in the light blue shirt, Pauline and his wife, Bella, and their children, um, Jenny, Matteo and David, who are working in that church, which was one of the first established churches in, in, in Tirana. And Pauline's a natural preacher, and it's good that the mission would be able to facilitate him in that gospel ministry. The guys on the left are the outgoing, I think he's still in the church, Ulti and Evie Todo, but they're, they're stepping down from the responsibility of leading the church. Again, not a particularly big church. This was at a baptism recently, uh, one of which was... One of the people who got baptised is actually Pauline's daughter, Jenny, which is a, obviously a great encouragement to him. Um, but again, some of these churches, they've been going for a long time. I mean, Genny t- spoke about some of the challenges of emigration. You know, he's got a small church, and no, as soon as new people come, then yeah, other people are leaving. Um, but there's, there's also a phenomenon of those that saw great blessing in the early days. I mean, it was, it was, it was scenes of revival, you know, incredible blessing. You know, people around the world were praying for Albania and many, many people were saved. But now some of this generation, like I said, the, the, 40, the late 40s pastors, you know, they're getting discouraged because they're thinking, well, we're still preaching, we're still doing the same things, we just don't see the same amount of people coming in. Um, you know, maybe pastors get used to not seeing too much, but when you've seen great things and then later on things get more difficult you know there's a natural sense of discouragement and and sadly some churches turn to alternative means you know they can turn to more of an activist approach of thinking well we just have to you know more output more activity more more people to meetings Um, and it's a natural temptation to fall into especially with outside supporters supporters in America supporters in the UK you, you want to you look good. You want to say, hey, you know, we're doing this and we're doing this. And we're... But you can't manufacture the spiritual blessing. And, you know, and, our, and our word to these guys, and you know, it's always been, you know, just this word ministry. You know, keep preaching the gospel. Okay, you had a season of great in-gathering. Now, now things have settled down. There's not so many people. Uh, but just keep on doing what you're doing, you know, because, you know, the temptation to... to uh, go down other routes and uh, use other methods is, 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 is quite strong. And then, you know, as we, as we you know, come towards the end, another great aspect of um, the ministry in Albania has been the ministry to the young people. And I think part of the reason of that is that many of the pastors were themselves converted as young people. I mean, maybe it's true... Uh, that when a, when, a, when a country has opens up and there's spiritual opportunities, maybe it's the young that more readily accept that message. Um, but certainly a lot, of, yeah, a lot of the pastors and church leaders were converted young people. So there's always been a big emphasis on, on church uh, ministry. Now, I'm oh, sorry, on young people's ministry. Now, during COVID, that all um, was put on hold. But in the last couple of years... Um, the, the youth camps have, have uh, resumed, uh, and that's great, that's great encouragement in, in, uh, for many of these church workers to be involved in that ministry. 
Um, now these, these, these photos are slightly out of date. I mean, I've just come back from a, the, the 23 summer camp, so, but I haven't received the photos, so I'm not able to put them up. So we're gonna have to rely on the, on the, um, on the, on the photos of 2022, uh, but not to worry. Uh, but many, many of these young people, uh, they came along to camp for the first time last summer. This was a, a camp reunion that took place last October. Uh, but many of the children that the, the, the mission are involved in contacting, uh, and there's a man in particular, the director of the camps, uh, Sean, Sean Thompson, he's gone into public schools. So he's gone into schools where the kids don't necessarily have any contact with Christianity, any church contact. And he has, he's had contact in some of these schools just to invite them along uh, to uh, Christian camps. Um, the camps are made up of a team of Albanian workers, but also UK volunteers. Uh, so, you know, admittedly, the, the children do get the chance to um, speak English and improve their English, which is uh, a bit of a motivation for going. But young people, they're, they're, their English is very, very good in Albania. And so we can, we can do all the spiritual teaching English and they have no, they have no problem um, understanding all that. I mean, the older generation who live through communism, they, they wouldn't have uh, English so much. But the younger generation, their whole, their whole lives are in English. You know, they're on, they're on their phones and, you know, the electronic world is in English and all their favourite films are in English. And, you know, so it, at a very, very young age, it's probably not a good thing that they're spending so much time on devices, but... Nonetheless, their, 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 their English is very good. So, so with, with, these, with these guys who don't have any church contact, like I said, they come from different situations in Albania. And we, have a, we, we do thematic studies. So you know, we did studies on, on promises, on, on creation, the idea of creation, on the idea of um, the problem of evil. Uh, we, we need a rescuer. So it's more like... The school assembly type approach. Because with all the freedom they've had in Albania with young people in youth camps, some churches have been a bit pushy. Some churches have gone for the decision and, and come across in a, in a religious way that's been unhelpful. So taking a step back from that, we, we, you know, we share Christian teaching, but it's not, we're not, it's not so much you know, in a church meeting type setting, but more like I said, in a, in a, in a school assembly Type way, but nonetheless, the questions come from that. And with the teaching groups we have, uh, maybe I can show you some pictures of that. Yeah, they t- they take place uh, again in southern Albania in a town called Urseca, and it's a Bible school for most of the year. And in the summer, uh, these camps are run. You'll see the facility. I haven't actually got any pictures of the teaching groups, but um, so yeah, I mean a very nice, a very nice modern facility that we can take advantage of, dormitory style. And I mean, this year we had 85 young people. Um, and, you know, it was a great chance. I mean, at the start of the week, maybe the lessons seemed a bit uh, formal as we were kind of getting to know each other. But then the questions come. And, uh, you know, there's some honest conversations about, you know, matters of life and faith. And, you know, we're, we're trying to engage them, get them to think about these things. You know, we realise we're not the only people talking to these young people, but I mean, you're trying to present the truth, aren't you? You're not, you're not, you're not telling them what to think, but you are trying to get them to think. But then you do want them to 
come to the decision that yeah, what you're saying is the truth. So you're trying to, you know, you're trying to kind of go in with an open-minded approach, present the truth, and allow God to do His work in convincing them that that is, uh, you know, that that is true. And so we had a. That, that was the picture. I mean, that was that was seventy kids. I'm so, um, so the, the picture this year will be you know slightly big, but it just it gives you an idea of. of uh, and many of the children came back again. So I think we're looking to kind of continuous work. So I don't know if you know young people that are loose end over the summer. I, mean, I was chatting with Richard. Our church is just the same. You know, beach mission, camps in Wales, people doing a whole, a lot of different things. But maybe you know, for someone who kind of thinks, yeah, Albania, maybe I'll, I'll give that a try. There's always opportunities to serve. Uh, in this way uh, and so it's encouraging so I'll come on uh, one of my last slides is just uh, I'll leave that up as just um, um, for, for the kind of prayer reminders we thought about Memalii and Geni and Nikki in that small town where there's that mass exodus of people and then you know Jiracasta and again the, the need of leadership there and people that have stepped up um, and the way that you know God has provided, and the way that these small situations, you know, they they have quite a lot of um, of their own pressures just to keep to keep going down that 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 word ministry route. I could, you know, I spoke about Paulin and in Tirana, uh, and then the camp ministry. So you know, do pray for the country of Albania. It needs your prayers. I think one of the biggest challenges is, I mean, one one of the challenges I haven't mentioned. Maybe it's more of a challenge in Kosovo, I've concentrated on southern Albania, is, that, is the rise of Islam. But not just the rise of Islam in terms of more followers of Islam, but just the, the physical presence of Islam. You know, the money that comes in from Turkey, the money that comes in from the Middle East to rebuild old mosques. Um, so the kind of cult, that kind of cultural um, investment. But then also just to build mosques to... to you know, as a, as a physical presence to say this land belongs to Islam. And it, it just makes it more difficult for the Christians because the, the undecided or the neutrals are less inclined to associate with Christians if they think, no, no, we are, we are, we are a Muslim country. Even if they don't go, there's a lot of nominal Muslims in Albania. They're not a hard line. They're not as hard lines as Muslims in this country. Not at all. You can talk to them about faith. It's just the... You know, it's just, well, my family's Muslim. I've always believed that. So it's very, very, it's very nominal. But uh, nonetheless, you know, the Southern Balkans is a bridgehead into, into Europe. And also, finally, just to say, you know, these countries, why do they need your prayers? They need your prayers because, you know, the Second World Church is a young church. Young believers, young leaders. And they haven't had the benefit that we've had of... Christian maturity over many, many years. And with so many mission organisations going in from different parts of the world, sometimes the church becomes very aspirational. They, they don't just want the message, they want, they want the lifestyle of the missionaries. They want the fact that these people that come in from outside that lead churches, well, they you know, seem to have such comfortable lives. And, they, you know, and I'm not saying that necessarily in a critical way, but I'm saying that's what they see. They hear what you're saying, but they look at the lifestyle. And I think, you, and it's not just Albania. I think you can get this in other, you know, I call it second world countries that are not really poor, but maybe poorer than we are here. You know, there's, there's, the, there's that sense of worldly aspiration. Yes, they do want the message. Yes, they do want the church. 
but they, they want to better themselves. And, you know, of course you want to look after your family, you want to look after your nearest and dearest, but, you know, there's still that challenge of, of not becoming too worldly and, and living, for, living for the things that matter. I mean, their standard of living is shot up. And, you know, churches have improved no end. But even Albanians would admit that they've maybe lost something that they had at the beginning because they had nothing at the beginning. They were, they were, they were dirt poor. You know, people in the UK would go out and, and literally weep at the sight of the conditions they were living in. But they had the Lord. And I heard one pastor say, you know, we had the fire. I mean, they, they, they had something that maybe they haven't got so much now. So keep praying for them. You know, the second generation, you know, different challenges. But, they, you know, people like Genny, they value your prayers, um, you know, and, uh, you know, they value your interest. And, uh, you know, we're trying to do what we can as a mission, but, you know, we appreciate it. I mean, it's more on our radar, like I said now, because there's so many Albanians uh, coming over. And, and even the mission has more of a focus in the UK. You know, we're getting calls from churches saying, well, we've got this Albanian family in our church. You know, how do we... What do we, how do we reach out to them? You know, we get calls from prison chaplains because obviously there's a lot of Albanians in prison saying, you know, can we have Bibles? So we have to connect with the community in different ways. But, you know, hopefully, you know, you'll feel more able to do that. And, you know, you can pray more intelligently, hopefully, for this part of the world uh, because, you know, all those countries have quite similar stories of, of what's gone on in the last uh, few decades. But let me just pray and then we'll sing our last hymn and then I will stay around at the end so please feel free to ask questions and you know, thank you again for the chance to speak uh, today. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the great work that you've achieved in this part of the world. We thank you for the, the great testimonies people converted out of Islamic backgrounds and through the war in Kosovo, through great upheaval. Um, Lord, you can do remarkable things in these situations. And we know that that land was very, very touched. We know that now, 30 years on, it has different challenges. And the challenges are to stay the course. And we pray that you'd help them to do that. And we pray that you'd help the church in the UK to be you know, wise counsel in that respect and to offer the benefits of its maturity and um, desire to see people uh, keeping on in, uh, in gospel faithfulness in this land. So we, so we pray for the work there and we pray that, that, that Christians may be bright and may, be, and may flourish and be lights uh, with, with the encroachment of of you know, secularist thought and, and, and Islam and all these things. Lord, the church may be a, a, a burning light for you there and, and across the region. And so we thank you for these faithful pastors. May your hand be upon them. May you bless their ministry. May you encourage them both now and in the future. For we ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.